uh, talking about attitude of the heart and how that we understand and, and we believe that, that how our attitude is if affects how high that we can go in Christ. And what's going on on the inside is sometimes not always reflective of what's on the outside. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we believe it's one of the greatest sermons ever preached. And Jesus looks at the crowd and He says, listen, if you want to be blessed, you need to do these things. He tells us that, that we are the salt of the earth. He tells us that we're supposed to be the light of the world. Jesus was allowing us to know that it wasn't the externals that he was concerned about. Because you see, you can get things right on the outside. You can come to church on Sunday morning and you can dress up and, and you can look as if everything on the outside, you can carry the biggest King James Version Bible you can find. You can keep the law. But on the inside, on the inside, you may not be right. You may not have the, the attitude that Jesus would want you to have. And he talked about the Pharisees and how that, that that's exactly what it was in their case. It says, you look great on the outside, but on the inside, you are full of dead man's bones. And last week, we, we, the first week, we began to look at anger. And how that anger and bitterness and hatred can, can get into our hearts. And how that, that it can just eat away at us. And how that we, we get something in our mind and we play it, replay it over and over and over. And, and how the enemy uses that to control us. And then last week, we began to talk about how that Christ wants us to be a, a mature believer. And how that we can't just stay a baby all the time. Once you get saved, that's not the end, but it's only the beginning. And we begin to look at ways that we mature in Him. And we talked about how that none of these issues are easy. Everything that we're talking about is not an easy thing to do. And sometimes God places us in, in hard places. But things of value grow under pressure. And this morning we want to look at another attitude of the heart. And it's dependence. We need to understand that we need God in our lives to help us. We must understand the importance of having Him. Being dependent on Him. Now, as, a, as a, a dad, I love it when my daughter comes to me knowing and having confidence that there's something in her life that she needs that I can provide. There's joy. I find joy and comfort in that. Yesterday, I had decided to 
close my eyes for a half hour, a.k.a. take a nap. So I'm laying there, and she comes into the room, and I can hear her, but I don't dare open my eyes. I wasn't going to make eye contact. And she comes and hovers over me. She looks. I keep my eyes closed. She goes away. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder what she wanted. But I was in the, wanting to take a nap. Two minutes later, she comes back. Climbs up on the bed. Hovers over me. This time she says, Daddy, are you awake? She said, I need to, can you help me print something? And at that moment, I wasn't aggravated. I wasn't upset. I opened my eyes. I tried to print it. It wouldn't print. I got up out of the bed, went downstairs, fixed the issue, printed it all. And she said, thank you, Daddy. And in that moment, it didn't matter what else I had going on. I was so, I had such a, a joy that I was able to, to provide for her what she needed in that moment. Now, it was just a coloring sheet. That's all it was. Something to me was thinking, man, you know, if, if I would have thought about it, it, that could have waited 30 minutes, right? It didn't matter to me how small that it was because in her mind, it was huge. And learning to become dependent on someone who, anytime she has a technology question, we live in a technology age, and she'll take it to her mom, and her mom will just throw up her hands and say, I hate technology. And so then I get a phone call, no matter where I am, a FaceTime. Daddy, can you help me? Such joy and comfort in that because she knows she can depend on me. It's a great feeling knowing that you're needed. It's a great feeling knowing that you have something to give. God wants us to get to a point that we depend on Him in our weaknesses. He says, in our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. And Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, how that they, he would teach them how to pray. Now, as soon as I say that, about 50% of you just tuned out. Oh, man, a message on prayer. That's a chore. It's a duty. Prayer is vital to our spiritual life. And you see, prayer is not a picture of your discipline, but of your dependence. It's not a picture of your discipline, but of your dependence. We have to get to a point in our life where that prayer is not a duty, it's not a chore, but it becomes a delight. And that we love to go before Him. And in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, they asked Jesus, 
Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. You notice here, they didn't say, motivate us to pray. Because deep down, I believe that that all of us really want to pray. We all want to become dependent on Him. We know that prayer changes things. But the problem is, is we really don't know where to start. And the Lord's Prayer, it's not really a prayer. Now we pray it, we quote it, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's more of a, a template. Becoming dependent and the dependence of prayer is something that is so important in our spiritual walk. In Exodus chapter 17, there's a picture of prayer here that's astounding. The children of Israel had, were coming to the wilderness. And they were attacked by a group of people from Amalek. And Moses says to Joshua, he says, get the people, gather the troops, and go out and fight. But what did Moses do? He said, myself and Aaron and her, we're going to go to the top of the mountain. And I'm going to lift up my hands with the rod. You're not going to see me. You're not going to be able to to see what I'm doing. But you're going to feel the effects of what I'm doing. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to pray. Exodus chapter 17 verse 11 says, And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And we go on to read in that story and we'll look at a little bit later how that when Moses became tired they lifted up his hands and so they won the battle and this was such an important battle. God said write it down. Write down what has happened in this moment. You see life will play out but what you do in prayer matters. You may not see it at the moment or in the moment. But what we do in prayer matters. Listen, our world is in trouble. The world that we live in today, if you spend three seconds reading the news, you will see that this is a mess. And can I tell you that things aren't going to change just because the world wakes up one morning and says, okay, let's change. Not going to work that way. How is it going to change? 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. The very first thing in that list of things that we need to do says, and pray. If my people, if you're a follower of Christ, that's you. That's me. 
prayer works. Prayer brings revival. Prayer changes things in the battlefield. Just as it did when we read in Exodus chapter 17. Prayer changed things. What we do behind the scenes matters. You want to see a change in your life? Start to pray. You want to see something different in your life? Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Because when we go to God, and we pray, and we seek His face, and we become dependent on Him, it tells God that we understand that we know that we can't fix the situation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. I desire... That men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response. Too many times, we do everything else before we go to God in prayer. Every situation we try to fix. But if we could get to a point in our life that says, you know what, I know I can't fix this. God, I'm bringing it to you. What about prayer? I believe we need to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it short. You think, what? Short. I know we've all heard, you know, can't, can't you tarry with me for an hour? When I first became a Christian and, and, and I decided, okay, it's, you know, I, I know prayer is important. The preacher's telling me prayer is important, so uh, we're going to have an all night prayer meeting. They called an all night prayer meeting at our church. And I thought, man, I went in, I prayed for everything that I could think of. Every person every I just began to pray and 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 I thought man this guy this has to be at least an hour and I looked up and it was like 12 minutes and I'm thinking oh I guess I can't tarry for an hour we've all been there it seems difficult but I believe that, that here that this template that, that Jesus gave his disciples can be a template for us. He said, teach us to pray. You see, you, you can't just sit down and start. That's what I thought I was going to do. I'm just going to sit down and just let it fly. Didn't have a, any structure or a plan. But I believe that this morning that we're going to look at four words. If you do not have a structure in your prayer life, that if you will try... This structure, this template, that I believe that, that it will make a difference. And if you will determine in your heart that, that I'm going to pray, I believe that we'll see lives changed. I believe that we'll see people saved. I believe that we'll see marriages put back together. Because prayer makes a difference. And what you do behind the scenes will play out on the battlefield. So if you're a note taker... I encourage you to take notes this morning. The first word is worship. Worship. When you begin and sit down to start praying, start with worship. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 says this, 
In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right from the beginning, you need to start off knowing and having confidence that God is your Father and you are His child. You need to start off knowing that He longs for you to come to Him. He desires for you to be dependent on Him. And you started out just by giving worship. God, I thank you for who you are. God, I, I know that, that I am your child. I know that you are my father. And you just, in any way that you can, you just begin to, to worship who he is. Just as Jesus said here, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is above all others. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 8, we're going to talk about how that this group of people from Amalek, it says they came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. You see, these people, the Amalekites, were descendants of Esau. And we know the story of Esau and Jacob. And how Esau forfeited his birthright for a bowl of soup. But Esau always made Jacob feel inferior in front of his father. He always made him feel that old dad loved him more than he did Jacob. And Esau made Jacob feel as if he didn't belong in his father's presence. You see, Jacob and Esau were completely different. Esau was a hunter. Jacob liked to hang out at the house. They were different. But Esau made Jacob feel that, that he wasn't worthy to go before his father. And the devil, our enemy, will do the exact same thing to us. He wants you to feel like that you do not belong in your father's presence. He wants you to, to be ashamed or scared or timid to go before your Father who's in heaven and who loves you and who calls you His own. But if you will start out knowing and saying, God, I know that you love me. I know that you sent your Son to die on the cross. And we will realize in our heart, I'm the one who God loves you can never pray with confidence until you understand that you're loved and that He hears your prayer. And so in the very beginning, we need to learn to, to open with intimacy and awe. Anybody ever tell one of your friends, my dad can beat up your dad? Maybe even when you get older. Hey, my dad can beat up your dad. Why? Because you, you think your dad can do anything. Sometimes we need to understand that we serve a heavenly father who can do anything. We must have a, a confidence in him, an intimacy with him. We must be in all of his power. Genesis chapter 27 verse 10 says, 
Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. This is his mom telling him, take this to your dad. Go before him with confidence. And I tell you this morning, you can go to God with confidence. Because he sees right where you are. He loves you and he cares about you. You're his. Secondly, first is worship. Second is war. War. Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 says this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second section that, that you can use of this template is, is start to think about people that God brings to your mind. People who are in a battle for their life. We all know people who are going through things, who have issues who have health problems or, or, or problems, uh, financial problems or, or problems in relationships, start to call out their names to God. Don't be timid. Don't be timid when you go before God. You understand that this is war. Do you know what the Greek of this actually says? Is come thy kingdom be done thy will. Come thy kingdom be done thy will. It's spoken with authority. You see, at this point, you're not even praying for yourself yet. Just begin to pray for everyone that God brings to your mind. And go to God with the confidence and the authority that you know that He can change the situation. And so when I begin to pray, I'm asking for kingdom love. I'm asking for kingdom peace. I'm asking for kingdom health. For all of these people... In my life. Now, you may be in a situation that you say, Well, I don't know anybody that needs anything. Well, it's time to get out of your house. It's time to make some friends. Because if you have one friend, I can promise you they need something. And if you go before God and and you can't think of anything or anyone or any situation in their lives to pray about, then the issue is not there. The issue is, is you need to start building some relationships. You need to start getting your hands dirty. You need to start investing into people's lives because people need to know. And there's people that all around you that are going through things, call their name out in prayer. Every Sunday morning, the leader of our prayer team will come to me. They meet back here and they pray for you guys. And they'll come to me and they'll say, anything that we need to pray about today. And if there's situations that I know I can share, I'll say, yes, pray about this. Pray about this. If there's situations I can't share, I'll just say, hey, there's a situation that needs prayer. That's all the information I can give you. Why do we do that? Because we know that prayer changes things. And when we go into battle, when we go into prayer, when we go into war, how many people have seen the movie War Room? And in that movie, if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. In that movie, a woman goes into her prayer closet, into a closet and prays, 
over and she calls it her war room. Why? Because life is a war. Life is dirty. Life hurts. But prayer changes things. And she says, I'm not coming out. I'm going to keep praying every day. You know what happens? What happens when we begin to pray for things? When our problem is not answered right away? Exodus chapter 17 verse 12 says, But Moses' hands became heavy, or one version says weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You ever been praying for something and you just get tired of praying for it because God hasn't answered it in your mind? You haven't seen anything change in your mind? We become weary. It's natural. It's natural. It's just like when you're starting to work out and you get tired and you haven't lost that 25 pounds in two days. You're like, I'm tired and this is stupid. I quit. Same thing happens in prayer. Same thing happens in prayer. We become weary because we in our natural eyes do not see the result of what's happening in the spiritual realm. And here we see that, that Moses, as he was praying for those on the battlefield, he became tired. He became weary. But he knew that he couldn't quit. And he had people around him saying, I'm not going to let you quit. We're going to keep praying. Everybody talks about how important Moses' prayer was, but can I tell you that those people, Aaron and her beside him, were just as important. Because they were there lifting up his hands. You see, the enemy's not going to stop. The enemy doesn't become weary. It's going to be a battle every day of your life, every day of my life. And the closer you try to get to God, the more He's going to fight. It's just reality. You think, well, man, I just, I'll stay back here. No, because you can't win the battle. You can't win a battle without a fight. War will test your resolve. When Christy and I were, were waiting, praying for a child, it didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen in nine months. It didn't happen in 18 months. It took 15 years. 15 years. And I can tell you that there were times that we were weary. There were times that we thought, well, this is just the plot that God has for us. But Luke chapter 18, verse 1 reminds us of this. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. When you start to begin to pray for other people, God will do something for you. When you begin to go to battle for other people, to hold them up with your actions and with prayer, God will do something for you. Thirdly, work. You say, work? You're not supposed to mention that on a Sunday, right? 
I know many of you are just dying to get back to your jobs tomorrow. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Here, you're just saying, God, I know that I can't make it without you. All of us wear multiple hats. All of us are, we could be a husband, a father, a manager. We could be a, a wife, a mother, a teacher. We all wear multiple hats. And we must come to a point uh, to know that, that what we do with our hands are important. Exodus chapter 17 verse 13 says, So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. He had to use his hands. He defeated him with his hands. And you see, God will bless the workings of your hands. As, as a pastor, I pray every day, God, give me the wisdom and the insight to help people. But also as a husband, God, give me the, the ability to help make my wife feel special. As a father, God, give me patience when she's hovering over me when I'm trying to sleep. But God is concerned about the multiple hats and multiple roles that you play. Don't think that it doesn't matter to God because it does. God cares about your work. And if you can learn to become dependent on Him, He will bring things into your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So I planted with my hands, my work, and then I gave it to God, and He brought the increase. God is concerned about your work, the things in your life. There's two key things to, to pray about for work. God, give me the relationships and the resources to fulfill our responsibility. How many people know that we all have responsibilities, right? We all have responsibilities. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that God will bring people into your life and that He will give you the resources to help you fulfill the responsibilities that you have in life. Why? Because God is concerned about your work. God is concerned about what type of employee that you are, what type of manager that you are, what type of father or mother that you are, what kind of wife or a husband that you are, what kind of student that you are. God is concerned about it. And he says, just bring it to me. Pray for me to provide in those situations. He's concerned about your work. Lastly, that's everybody's favorite word, isn't it? If you've been here a long time, you know that lastly doesn't really mean we're still in the air. We haven't put down the landing gears yet, right? Our walk. Our walk. I believe that if we will use this template in our individual prayer lives, and that we will truly begin to seek Him, not for hours, but with consistency,
that if we'll pray, that we'll see things change. Prayer is so important. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says this. And forgive our, us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, what is this saying? First of all, I believe that, that it's God say, telling us that we have to remove unforgiveness from our heart. We talked about that. Attitude of the heart. The attitude of unforgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so many of us go to God in prayer, but we have unforgiveness in our heart. I believe that, that God is saying here, get rid of it. It has no place there. I can't bless it. I can't work with it. And then he says, do not lead us into temptation. Now, it makes it sound like that God would lead us into trouble. That doesn't make any sense, does it? God, don't take me into any trouble. God's not going to do that. I believe the Scripture is saying, God, help me not to compromise. Help me not to compromise. Help me in this world that we live in not to compromise. We found another story. Samuel goes to Saul. And God has told Samuel to tell Saul to go fight against who? The Amalekites. This same group of people that we see in Exodus chapter 17. And God tells him, he says, I want you to go. And because of what they've done, I want you to destroy everything. Men, women, children, cattle. Everything. Destroy it all. What does Saul do? Saul goes. But he compromised what God had told him to do. He didn't destroy it all. He allowed the, some to live. He allowed the king to live. He kept some of the possessions. He compromised. When God said, do it this way, He compromised. And I believe that we need to pray every day. God, do not allow me to compromise. You see, Amalek's not just a picture of someone that, that messes with your insecurity. Someone that, that thinks and makes you believe that you can't go before God. It's not just a, a picture uh, that creates war in our lives. But it's also a picture of our temptation to compromise. Saul compromised what God had said. And he paid for it dearly. When, when I pray, I pray, God, let me not compromise. When there's a, a chance maybe to, to cheat or to steal... Or to betray. We're all going to be tempted with these things. To compromise what God. And the way that God tells us to live. But when I pray God remove unforgiveness. And remove compromise from my heart. It's our walk. 
You can't be a follower of Christ and have those two things in your life. You can't go before God with confidence. He tells us at one point, if you come to the altar and you remember that you have unforgiveness in your heart, get up, leave it there, go find them, make it right. You can't live with unforgiveness and compromise in your heart. In 1 Timothy 2.8, the verse that we read at the very beginning, it says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. Without wrath and doubt. We will never get to the place that God wants us to be without being totally, completely dependent on Him. And if we are honest with ourselves... If we have a a self-check this morning and we look deep within, there's many of us that would say, I am not truly dependent on God. You may be here this morning and, and you're going through life and you're depending on everything else and everyone else to fix your situation. To give you peace, to give you comfort, to give you joy. You see, the disciples in this passage of Scripture, they realized the importance of being dependent on Him. They understood. They watched His walk. They watched how that Jesus would go and pray to His Father. And they understood if we're going to be a follower of Him, if we're going to be His disciple, we have to be able to pray in the way that he prays, not out of obligation. But out of complete dependence on him. You see, God loves it when we come to him knowing that he can provide. Jesus, Master, teach us to pray. And I believe this morning that God is Wanting us to realize the importance of being completely dependent on Him. I know that in a group gathered of this size, whether I have foreknowledge or not, some of you I know that you're going through things, and some of you I have no idea what you're going through, but I can be 100% confident there are people here that are going through things you're tired and you're weary you've tried to fix the problem maybe a financial problem and you've you just keep getting more jobs and more jobs taking more hours and more hours thinking this is going to fix it but it never does. Maybe maybe a health problem. And I'm not preaching against going to the doctor because God uses doctors. But I also know 
took the stripes on his back for our healing. He's our provider. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide. Maybe a relationship problem. Family issues. Maybe anxiety. Depression. You see, it doesn't matter to God. And it may seem like, you may think, oh, it's just something small. But God cares. And He wants you to be dependent on Him. And I believe that we all can attest to the fact that there have been situations in our life that people have called out our name and went before a holy and a loving and a caring God and it has changed the outcome. What you do behind the scenes. God's calling you this morning. He's saying, come to me with your problems. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with your situations. He tells us, he said, cast your cares upon me. Why? Because I care for you. I care for you. He's the only one that can fix your issues your problems, your struggles. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning. Say, Pastor J.W., I'm guilty. I love God. I'm doing my best to follow Him. But I am not 100% dependent on him I've not given him everything if that's you just slip up your hand thank you thank you thank you why are hands going up because it's it's our human nature we live in a society where in growing up when I was growing up all I wanted to do was be 18 years old so I could not have to depend on anyone else but myself that is inbred in us to be self-dependent. You're not out of the ordinary. You're very much first step is to realizing just as you just did as you raised your hand of knowing that you need to change something I'm going to ask everybody to stand
you raised your hand this morning, I'm not going to beg, I'm not going to plead. I'm just going to ask that you'll be man or woman enough to walk down to this altar and to kneel or to stand, whatever you want to do. Why? Why am I asking that? Because in that passage of Scripture that we read in Exodus chapter 17, if you raised your hand this morning, I am willing to bet that you're tired, that you're weak, that you're weary. And right now you're standing there trying to think of every excuse in the world as to why you won't walk down here. Is there anything magical about walking down here? Nothing magical. But I'll tell you what there is. There are prayer warriors. And because you're weary, they're going to lift up your hands. Maybe not literally, but figuratively. They're going to lift up your hands. Just as when Moses got tired, he needed Aaron and her to lift up his hands. And then the battle changed on the field. So right now, as I begin to pray, I know some have already moved forward, but there's a ton more that raised your hand. Right now, I'm going to pray. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you just to come forward and, and meet us here at this altar. Heavenly Father, I come before you. God, completely dependent on you. God, I know that there's people in this congregation. Situations that I cannot fix. I can't make them better. I can't make them go away. God, I know that I serve.